Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Hello, everybody, and good morning, and welcome back to the program. At this hour, Jackie Toplitsky is among the country's uh, the country's elite residential real estate brokers as the leader of the Jackie Toplitsky team and a licensed associate broker at Douglas Elliman in New York and Florida. She has sold over $1 billion in real estate. I said that the last time she was here. That's amazing. amazing. To investors, buyers, sellers in New York, Miami, South America, Europe, and Russia. We will discuss the new proposed tax plan and its effect on New York City real estate, new condo developments that seem to be trending down these days, and the status of having big teams in our business. We have a lot to cover and we will talk to Jackie this morning. Also at this hour, Sarah Rada, Executive Director of Sales from Halstead Real Estate Downtown is here and we are going to talk about effective recruiting of agents new and experienced what she looks for, and how she can identify success in someone. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I am Vince Rocco, and this is Good Morning New York Real Estate. Thanks for everybody for being here today. My star panel is also here, of course. We'll get to that and much more later. Uh, good morning, everybody. Morning. Good morning. morning. We're nice and chipper. Good morning, huh? <laughs> and it's not even that Day cold. Day before the holiday. Exactly. Day before the holiday. I'm the already spirits. feeling the holiday. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I woke up this morning and said, I have not much to do today. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Anyway, Jackie, I want to start with you because uh, we have some interesting topics here. Manhattan's new developed uh, development sales have dropped 19% this year compared to last year, according to a report by City Realty, a real estate website here in town that offers analysis and guidance on the New York real estate market. And that report was released last Tuesday. The new development sales volume fell to $8.3 billion in 2017 from $9.4 billion in Only 2016. Only <laughs> oh, yeah, You know, <laughs> not terrible, but, but still a downward trend. But average prices reached a new benchmark, hitting $5 million for the first time in this town. The average price per square foot also reached a new high of twenty-three fifty per foot, according to the report. I thought it was higher than that. The report potentially attributed the dip in sales to the citywide softening of the luxury market, but was optimistic about the future. If Manhattan new developments currently under construction, sellers planned over the next few years, the total number of new development sales will not only rise, but reach a record high by 2020, again, according to this report. So my question to you is you deal in the super luxury market here in New York and other uh, locations. What are you seeing in the luxury market and why? Do you put any validity in these uh, these statistics that just came out last week? Um, definitely, yeah, but I'm not so sure that the numbers are that correct. I mean, I think that the, those numbers uh, are Me showing either. a little bit uh, skewed numbers because the problem with new development is that, you know, uh, closings sometimes take two to three years. Correct. So we don't know what is going to close, let's say, in the first quarter of 2018 as of yet. Uh, what I'm seeing is that people have a lot of options in the luxury market. They didn't have those options like five, ten years ago. You know, before that, you had 15 CPW. That was the, the new kid on the block on the luxury market. That was it. Now, you know, you can take them to 520 Park. You can take them to 432 Park. You can take them to 157. You can take them to the new uh, uh, Central Park Tower. You, you have 
a lot of options. So when you have options, people get a little bit confused. People also take their time. People also want to make sure that they are making the right decision, that they are really buying into something that is going to hold its value. So that's what we are seeing now. We're seeing hesitation. And we are seeing a little bit of a slowdown in the foreign market buying here also because of the exchange rate. So the exchange rate is definitely something that is, um, you know, uh, that is affecting especially the foreign market. Uh, But from another hand, they also know that New York is New York no matter what. So when they look at the map of the world, it's either New York or London, you know, in real estate. So one year you have London being number one, one year you have uh, New York being number one. But those are really the two options worldwide that people want to invest. You mentioned foreign investment, and we talked about this last week on the show as well. You know, foreign money into this into this uh, marketplace has always been uh, great. And, you know, for the most part, they're looking at new development condo buildings. So, you know, overall, foreign investors here have kind of slowed a little bit. Do you see that even more so in the new development sector on the very high end, say, 10 million plus for what you said before, they're just kind of taking a wait and see attitude. Yes, I do. Definitely. But I also see more Americans actually mm-hmm. uh, looking around mm-hmm. in the uh, higher end of the market, which it's always, you know, interesting in New York. It's all, because in New York, we are not based on one market. And that's what makes New York so stable for the real estate market. Um, it's not that you only, you know, rely on the on the Russians or the Latin Americans. Now, suddenly we are seeing more Americans coming in and saying to themselves, oh, now I have more options. I don't have only two or three buildings to choose from. Um, I will go downtown. I will go midtown. I will go uptown and then choose, you know, the area that I like the most. I wanted to ask you about um, location because, you know, with these super luxury, you know, apartments and these super luxury prices that we have seen, you know, 10 million plus in some cases. Does it really matter to either the foreign investor or the American buyer the location of where these buildings are, or is it just the the status of the building and the size of the apartment, etc.? What what's their the criteria? What are they really looking at? I think it depends on the buyer. Um, two weeks ago, I had a buyer here that didn't know New York so well, and he said, "I want to go and see, you know, above ten million dollars." And I said, "You know what? Let's do it differently." Take this weekend, you know, we'll go out on Monday, but over the weekend, I want you to walk the different neighborhoods. And basically, uh, I thanks. sent him the, the, you know, the above $10 million listings, but I said, before we actually go and see them, I want you to just walk, not do not drive. I even warned mm-hmm. them because the only way to feel New York is walking. And he came back to me and he said, okay, I did what you, what you said, and this is the area I want to focus in. So sometimes it's the area sometimes the building becomes a destination. Mm -hmm. So in some of these ultra luxury buildings, those become a destination because people don't leave those buildings. You have so many amenities, you have so many things to do in the building. So it becomes like its own private club. Right. You mentioned 15 CPW, and I remember, you know, that's actually not that long ago, but that was the first (laughs) child born here, you know, in the the super big luxury marketplace. And we all were so mesmerized with that (laughs) development and so focused on that development and ran to sell an apartment (laughs) in that development. And when you did, it was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. But it stayed in focus for many, many years because there weren't that many buildings right behind it so soon. So the, 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 
the traffic there remained constant and the prices just quadrupled and 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 went through the ceiling and still seemingly do the same so uh, there's a little bit of a slowdown across the board but how would how are people looking these days at 15 CPW just because I'm curious versus some of the other newer luxury buildings that are out there well first of all 15 CPW um, is it has still it, the cat's meow <laughs> well it's it has it has um, it has its cachet it has mm-hmm. its location and also it has basically a track record mm-hmm. now remember also when uh, when the building was built all of us I think around the table here plus all of our counterparts they all thought that the people that were going to buy at 15 CPW were all going to be foreigners mm-hmm. and it turned out that we had tons of New Yorkers, tons of Goldman Sachs people, uh, and we were, I mean, I was joking. I was saying, oh, those people are coming from Fifth Avenue are actually having a visa to go to the West Side. (laughs) Crossing the park. Crossing the park. Oh, my God. How did that happen? (laughs) But it's very true. Yes. It's very true. All right, let's move on. The Republican Party's proposed tax plans will likely increase the cost of owning a home, and New York is already taking notice. The plans, which would reduce or eliminate taxpayers' ability to deduct high state and local property taxes on their federal returns or making potential buyers in New York think twice before making a purchase. This, according to the uh, Wall Street Journal. Actually, this bill has since passed Congress from when I uh, was doing the research and now up for Senate approval. We'll see where that goes. But the tax issue has started to come up regularly in discussions with potential buyers, and some have already put their purchasing plans on hold. We talked a little bit about this off-air in the green room this morning. New York City may have to lower its expectations for revenue it gets from transfer taxes, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, on residential sales, because there could be fewer of them, at least initially. Mm -hmm. So some industry insiders say that it is uncertain time in the world. This is going to create another little pause until people get their head around it. But conversely, on the commercial side of the house, these brokers are very excited because they see more gains or more interest on their buyers. So what are you seeing in, in you know, this whole uh, tax conversation and what marketplace is it really affecting? Yeah, so I'm actually, I'm going to start from the positive. So, um, on the commercial side, on, like on the commercial side, as you just said, everybody's very happy, correct? Yeah. Now, so we have to think about it because who are the commercial people in New York City? So they are all families, correct? That own several buildings, correct? And um, they are going to do well. Now, if they do well, where is that money going to go? So we hope that that money goes also to their kids, grandchildren, etc., because it's all generational money. Money, which hopefully will come back to residential real estate. So that's the bright side. So the not so bright side is that we have um, high real estate taxes here. We have people in high tax brackets in New York, and all of them are like concentrated in the island of Manhattan, as I always say, with a lot of cement and no trees. No. <laughs> um, and all type A's. And all type A's. Uh, but the problem is that we are all type A's. So the problem with being like A's... <laughs> Is, is that we all worry. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so we worry. That's like in our DNA in, as New Yorkers. So my clients are saying, okay, so what are we going to do? We're not going to get the tax deductibility. Maybe also, you know, there is the other issue about the capital gain tax. Um, I mean, not tax um, deduction. Um, so what's going to happen with all of that? Is that going to, if I'm buying now a new development, does it mean that I'm buying too high because the prices of new development were based on historical prices? Uh, and if I sell my apartment right now, am I going, to, is this like the last 
you know, time that I could, you know, actually benefit from, uh, you know, good pricing. So everybody now is a little bit in a limbo and unfortunately is catching us in a bad time because New York real estate in 2017 was a little bit of a shaky market. So when you are in a shaky market and then you put something else on Mm -hmm. top of it, Mm -hmm. the question is, how is this going to play out? The way that I see it is this, and I'm going to give a really maybe bad, bad example, but it's a good example at the same time. 9-11. After 9-11, um, I remember I was getting phone calls from all over the world saying New York real estate it was going to go down by 50%. I was hearing 50%, 70%. Let's put offers like, you know. And all of this took six months, basically, or even less, between wow. September and December. Wow. And in January... You know, everything came back to normal. So the question is, are New Yorkers going to be a little bit on, on a shock right now, paralyzed a little bit right now, and then basically comes January, February when everybody also gets their bonuses from Wall Street? Mm-hmm. And I think that the bonuses of Wall Street are, are supposed strong. to be strong this year. What are they going to do with the money? Where are they going to put their monies? I mean, still CDs are not giving you anything. You know, money market is not giving you anything. So I think that New Yorkers already know that real estate is where you want to put your money and think long haul. What I am telling my clients is if you're thinking short haul, then be careful. Mm -hmm. You know, long haul, you should be okay. Short haul, you know, we have to wait and see. Bert Hall, go to Miami. There's no state income tax in Florida. Sorry, my little plug there. there you go. And, and, like and I it's said, warmer. Yes. And much warmer. And like I said, it's passed the House, has not passed the Senate yet. Correct. So who knows if we're even exactly. going to get to that point where we have to be concerned. We have to take a break. You were listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back with Jackie Toplitsky right after these messages. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back with Jackie Toplitsky. We are also here with Sean McPeak from Compass, Sarah Rana from Halstead Real Estate, Matthew Cohen from CORE, and Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman. Um, so, Jackie, let's talk about teams a little bit. They have become- wait, 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 wait. Let's go back on to let's let's go back on to the taxing. I think we all want to talk about the taxing a little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just to just. Yeah, and by me you mean you, Matt. And Tracy, no, Tracy's totally there too. I think Jackie brings up a really good point about New Yorkers. Um, other than just being Type A and naturally worrying, obviously you add into the fact that like 95% of New Yorkers are Jews, so they worry that we all worry much more. You know, we're just warriors all around. Um, you know, New Yorkers also have very just quick moving minds. So if you look back, like Jackie was saying about 9-11, if you look back to last year with the election, I mean, you know, minds in New York go from day to day. They go from month to month. I completely agree that you're going to see a lot of people right now who are, you know, kind of just staying put. And being in that limbo section, um, especially given the fact that it's also November, we're getting into Thanksgiving and Hanukkah and Christmas and New Year's, which is already, Kwanzaa. and Kwanzaa, I'm sorry, um, you know, which is already a slower time in our market usually. So I think people are much more okay with waiting it out till January. Um, I think they don't feel like, especially especially in the new development side, especially in the resale side above $2 million, um, or even above $1 million, should I say. I think people don't feel as though they're going to lose that apartment if they wait till January or if they wait till they get a more definitive answer after it's passed through Congress. Um, so I just think people are really okay waiting until January and February, but they'll wait till then. And whether there is a decision made or not, like Jackie said, people are going to get bonuses. People are going to have completely new mindsets in 2018. So it could switch very quickly. And Let's- I also want to jump in on, on another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I tell my clients always and I'm, I have had this conversation every single day of uh, in the last uh, three weeks how many times New York has been a buyer's market mm-hmm. how many times look at the span of the last 20 years okay so I think that maybe five times that I can think about correct yeah. so Every time that people don't take advantage of a buyer's market, they come to me two or three years later and they said, oh, I should have listened. So I missed it. I was just going to say the same thing. It's like you would think that as a buyer, you would wait for the time when this is your time in the sun, right? And it's your time to purchase and your time to get a good deal. But every time, like you said, we are in a buyer's market, which has not been that many times, they don't want to buy and you know what? I, I mean, and again, to Jackie's point, I'm giving you so much credit. I, I should get like some sort of gift basket. Um, you know, the... It's all about you. I already know that. <laughs> She's getting me a facial after this. Um, the, you know, a lot of the new agents that listen to our show out there, I, they always ask me, what do you think about when the market's not doing well? Do you worry, you know, if there's big news coming up like um, what we're facing right now? Or I was just actually talking to an economist the other day uh, from Australia who was saying that, you know, the eight to nine year um, just economy flow that we have is we're getting up to that, obviously. And we were talking about that. And I say about the buyers, like if the market, you know, 
tumbles, which I really don't see it tumbling like it did, for example, in 2008, 2009. But if it does go down, get a hold of your buyers. Like you're going to have first time buyers. You're going to have investors that come to you who might have been on the fence in the past because New York can be a scary place to buy on the first side and on the investor side who don't do it often. So they're going to come to you when the market's a little lower and say, I learned from the last time this happened. I wish I had bought in 2010. And now I have that opportunity again. And that's what you're going to face. So, you know, it's always the market changes to buyer's market, to seller's market. There's always something for those agents that have the right qualities to be successful. And also think about it, um, you know, new development. I mean, that's the, the, the perfect example. New development used to be, here is the availability list Take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Right? I miss those okay. days. Yes. Goodbye. Yeah. I miss those days. Okay. That's it. That's not, it. Not a dime. Nothing. Okay. So now, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, you know, the developer will listen, correct? And maybe will even negotiate. And sometimes, you know, on the back end, which is, you know, the closing costs, which, is, uh, which are high in New York to begin yeah. with. So think about it. Now you have the perfect opportunity to get into a new development at a reasonable price. And even to get, you know, some negotiation also on the front end in some cases. But the thing is that you have to look again at the long haul situation. So how many people were always so, so uh, frustrated by just going to new development and saying, this is the price sheet and this is what I have to buy? I mean, first of all, it's against a DNA, you know, not mm-hmm. to negotiate, right. you know, like right. what yeah. you were saying. <laughs> so... Now you do, you can negotiate and you can choose. How, like, yes, go ahead. So it's just interesting to me because um, the way I've seen the way I've seen the market in just in the last 15 years, um, it's been very boom mm-hmm. and then bust, mm-hmm. boom, bust and very few busts. Right. Right now, I think we're just in an even balanced place where we're not really swayed seller's market or buyer's market. We're kind of in the middle. And I think that that's where people have more questions because it's it's in an ambiguous territory. You know what I mean? Because it's not defined as one or the other. It's kind of in the middle. And it's just interesting and you know, talking about buying, most people wait to buy. And I saw this expression and I loved it. Don't wait to buy, buy and then wait. Because oh, New York City real estate historically goes yeah. up and it has over time. We have little dips, you know, over time, little dips on the radar, but over time it always goes up. And that's what, you know, we just have to remind ourselves of. And I always have agents uh, approach me about new development and how to go about it, I guess, especially newer ones or younger agents in the business. You know, Take advantage. I never want to hear another agent in this business say that they have nothing to do. Um, <laughs> you know, like if you have a day where you have nothing to do, go to a new development broker preview. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I Seriously, there's no better time than now because in the beginning of my career, I would go to broker previews at new developments and I'd become friendly with the directors of sales. You never know where connections will yeah. lead. And I got to tell you, I just had two new development deals go into contracts within the last few days. Both were negotiated. Um, and I wouldn't have been able to do the negotiating as well as I would have if I didn't already know the director of sales on both projects. And I asked them flat out, I was like, my client loves the project. He wants this unit. I know that normally developers will negotiate on the closing costs or the purchase price. Tell me which one they're going to negotiate on more. And that's how we're going to give you our best offer. 
Let me ask a question because we've all dabbled in, in new development, some of us more than others, but it's been out there for you know greater than 10 years as, as a really heavy choice for buyers out there who want a specific product. Given what you said, Jackie, a little while ago, you know, in the beginning, Schedule A was Schedule A. The price was the price. No negotiation, front side, back side, nothing. So now developers are listening. Yes, there are some negotiations that are happening. What does that do to the overall new development market going forward in the future where people were first, you know, trained, you can't ask for anything because you're not going to get anything. If you want it, this is what you pay. Now they see that there's a little bit of a difference. Now there's negotiation. Do you think that changes the whole structure of new development and Schedule A's going forward when the market gets back to being robust, when the market gets back to being, you know, a killer scenario, which we will get back to here in Manhattan? Okay, so we all know. That's the dev- my fear. Okay. <clears throat> we all know the developers in the city, correct? We're not talking about 100 people that are developers. Right. Mm. Maybe 50, mm. okay? Maybe These are the or, same right. people. Yeah. The right. same people that were in bad cycles, good cycles, so they know the drill. Mm-hmm. So basically what's going to happen, and, and New York also, the New York market bounces back much faster than any other market. So what's going to happen is if they see a lull on the market and they have to pay you know, construction loans, you know, that some of them are coming due, so those people that have more pressure are going to say to themselves, okay, I'm going to be a little bit more negotiable and in my next project, maybe I'm not going to be that greedy you know, to price it, it at $3,000 yeah. per square feet. Maybe I'm going to start with like $2,500. That puts point. a lot of downward pressure on uh, land prices because I think probably about two, two and a half years ago, we were seeing outrageous land yeah. prices like $1,300. Why we are at the point foot. we are today in new development right. pricing. You know, I think that, I think that that's kind of over people overpaying for land and the acquisition of their properties. I think I think that was silly and that's why we have a lot of these overinflated prices. But Jackie's right. Like you counting. you have what do you have? Like you have JDS, you have Excel, <clears throat> Silverstein, um, Maclo, Alpha, yeah, HFC. Like they're all, you know, the big developers are all gonna always be active. So for example, Excel, you know, if they're gonna build 157 and make a killing when they did that, you know, and then maybe have something that's in a more of like a softer market like one Manhattan Square or something else that they're doing, they're going to, it's not even learning from it. It's always going to change from market to market and developers are always going to be, the successful ones are always going to be around. So they basically get diverse for what they need to do. I mean, I think there's just like a trend of, they're just limiting units right now. I mean, a lot of these guys are not, Mm. are not taking on new projects. I mean, like Howard Lorber, um, you know, was going over earnings report for like Vector New Valley and was just saying that they're not really interested in getting involved in new projects right now until mm-hmm. prices come down and then the demand's back. Oh, come down as far well, as the land, land, prices, land yes. prices down and then exactly. the actual demand is there. So. But Vince, to get to answer your specific question, I absolutely do think as we've seen in the past, I and mean, we learned from history, as you said, Jackie, over the last 20 years, there have been ups and downs, but very few downs, and yes. we will come back. I think right now there's meant to be very few building starts and permits for 2019-2020 if New York population growth continues as projected, then we're talking that we're once again, Econ 101, you're going to have a greater demand than supply. And so why the developers might be offering those concessions now, I think we saw that in 2008 to 2010, 11, they're gone. In 2014, they might be back now, but again, 2020, who knows? But mm-hmm. just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, the, I think, between now and the first quarter or the first half of next year, 2018, there are 40 new developments that are getting ready to open their doors and begin the sales effort. So, you know, based on everything that we've talked about here, 
how do those developments fare? I mean, do they come out of the box selling, you know, greatly or do they kind of take a pause? It's I all think depend- oh, sorry. No, no. It depends also on the cost base of that developer, mm-hmm. remember. So, right. you know, some developers purchased the, that piece of land, let's say, you know, 10 years ago, mm. okay? But they didn't start building or, you know, launching it only till... So it all depends on their own circumstances. So if they have a low cost base and they don't have, you know, a lot of loans, you know, in place, they might even not release them. You know, they might hold. I see, no. you know, there are several uh, play, uh, several uh, sites in the Upper East Side that you have had the sign for a long time and nothing is happening right now. Mm. So... Either they are going to launch them, and if they launch them, I think that by now they got the message. Mm -hmm. And the message is that you have to be reasonable, that you have to price reasonable, and maybe, maybe we will see even um, a revised Schedule A for lower pricing. Mm -hmm. Who knows? All right, we have to leave it there. We're live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. We will be right back. Don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody. We are back with Jackie Kaplitsky uh, from Douglas Elliman, Sean McPeak from Compass, Sarah Rada from Halstead Real Estate, Matthew Cohen from CORE, and Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman. Now we're going to talk about teams. How about that? <laughs> it's okay with that. It's, it's okay, okay with, with that. that. So, I sign up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I'm, in, I'm, I'm really intrigued by this because, you know, we, we hear all these stupid stories, but they've become the way of the world in the real estate these days. When I first started 15 years ago, I don't even think there was a team. There are teams in some cases up to 65 people, which I think is out of control. I say that Mr. That, Ryan exactly. Sarhan. Well, seekers. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't naming names. I, mean, 
to not Good name guy. names. <laughs> not name names. <laughs> but I say these, these, these are not teams. These are smaller no. companies. And what <laughs> is the right. point of all that? So yeah. has the brokerage model, you know, in New York City really changed that significantly oh, yeah. to <clears> – <throat> really incorporate more teams than we've ever had before? I mean, can I, yeah. uh, just from a manager's perspective, and I would love for you guys <clears throat> to comment, but just from my perspective, it's interesting to see in the last three years, incoming agents, new to the business, I've gotten more questions than ever about the opportunity to join onto a team, partner with a broker, whereas before it would be maybe 10% of the time. Mm, now I would say it's 60 to 70% of the time people want. Why do you think that is? Well, I think... It's a good question. You know, I would open it up to you guys because you're really in the field, but I think it's harder and more competitive to get into our business nowadays, especially in New York City. And I think agents, incoming agents, somehow they're aware of it. I haven't given it that much thought to figure out why they're thinking about that, but um, it's just something I'm noticing. I'd say social media. I mean, the just the perception yeah, people have of us and I think just teams are so much more abundant on social media I mean the first and thing TV, do, I guess yeah, TV yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it's also the reliant aspect I, I you know we're in naturally right now we're in a market that's a little more difficult mm-hmm. um, you know and being in a challenging market someone who's coming into the business um, you know they more so want to be in something that's a little more secure because I think that the market scares them and not only are we in a more difficult market you have more agents than you've ever had in this city so it's a mix I think between the competition and the market itself I, mean, I, th- I also like think a, okay. like, a new, like a new agent coming in doesn't you know necessarily know like the exact marketing conditions I, I, I feel like a new agent's like very uh, rebellious and kind Kind of wants to do on their own. Like I was the same way in 2009, and that was not a good market at all. And mm-hmm. I never even considered working with somebody else. I had no idea. I think that what they've changed, uh, you know, and I think that I have been maybe the longest yeah. in the in the in the real yeah, estate mar- in the real estate market <laughs> in New York um, around this table. <laughs> so I, I tell you what have changed. Uh, when I joined the business, this business was a lot of part-time people. Mm-hmm. Okay, part-time yes. people. Brokers this this that this that this was a supplemental income. This was not the main household income. Okay, what we are seeing now is that this is a business. Yeah. This is not a supplemental income anymore. This is you know breadwinners are basically you know working in real estate. But the problem that that brought with it is exactly what you said. It's much more competitive right now. So the whole. Uh, arena has become a business not this is not about oh women who lunch you know when I joined it was women who lunch mm, so yes. you know you used to <laughs> sit down in the, at the plaza hotel for lunch and you used to say oh I'm tired of my classic six you know I, I really want a classic eight oh, do you know anybody who is I mean that's not the case anymore so when you are a new agent coming let's say to Douglas Elliman okay and you come into our office at 575 Madison where we have I think 600 agents it's a jungle Mm. so you don't want to get lost in the jungle Um, and what you want to do and that's actually a little bit of a problem uh, you know now talking as a team leader is that a lot of them 
just want to come into teams in order to learn the business mm. and then and to leave. go on their own. Correct. So then we have a problem there. Right. You know, or, as somebody, or also to make money right away versus kind of you know doing it on your own and maybe taking a year or two or three to make any significant money because I've seen all sides of people want it, why people want to become team members. But let's talk about your team in particular because mm-hmm. yours is a very large team mm-hmm. but not crazy big but very successful and has been for years what is the what is the dynamic there and what is the key to that success so my key of success is that you know everybody is vested in the business so it's not like a whole you know group of people that just use my name in order to basically make you know deals I run it like a corporation I have rules in my corporation I have you know you have to be at certain places at certain times you have to uh, bring business to the table uh, it's not only that I'm going to give you the business and uh, and then you also become vested uh, in the corporation. So after, you know, you prove yourself, you will get a certain percentage from what everybody uh, makes, like, you know, investment banking, like Wall Streeters do. So you become vested uh, and you want everybody to do well, not only yourself to do well. So it's a true team. You know, in my team, I have an office manager, I have my marketing uh, director. So we all basically do everything in-house and we create our own branding. We create our own um, uh, marketing, uh, uh, you know, materials. So we differentiate ourselves from everybody else from the get-go. And that's a big difference. That's why people want to come to the team. But the problem I challenge right now is to find good people to come to the team Mm. Uh, and good people that I want them to grow. Because now the millennials are more like drive by, and I don't gratification. Not exactly. all millennials. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, I'm a millennial. That's exactly what I was getting yeah. at before. It's kind of that drive by. They want a instant gratification. They want to come in and make some money right away. They want to learn something, and then oh, but boom, by you know, I'm on my own, and I'm going to have to do this. And we're going to talk about recruiting in a little bit, but. Um, do you think that the size of some of these teams, like I said at the top of the story, 65 people is overkill? I mean, how do you manage 65 people when you're still trying to do your own business as a real estate agent? I think it's kind of a little crazy. Yes, I think that uh, those people that have those number of people have uh, mm-hmm. different motives, okay? Mm-hmm. So it's not a real team. Right. You know, you want to to have your, you know, the largest GCI, the gross commission income, you know, to appear in the news, to appear that you are one of the top five, the uh, one of the top 10. So different people have different reasons to put uh, teams together. Uh, it's not necessarily because all those people, you know, um, are managed by the head of the team and some people come to me and uh, from those teams and say look I was on that team but I didn't learn anything because basically I was on my own the only thing is that my GCI was going into the uh, under the name of the head of the team so I think that when people join teams they have to be very careful and they have to actually interview the team leader and ask how does this work I mean are you teaching me are you taking me are you going to go with me to on a pitch if I need you you know what is the basically the the you know the description of a team leader in your team? I always say that the painting isn't always so pretty because, I mean, I just had my four and a half year mark in the business and I was brought in by a huge broker who had a team and I left him very, you know, pretty soon after because me, myself, I wanted to, I wanted to be in this business because I was passionate about real estate. I loved architecture. Like I just wanted to be around it and I wanted to do better for people than I saw other brokers doing. I I kind of had this perspective. Um, You know, it's not as easy these days because 
is like we were saying of the market and the competition of so many agents in it. So I just believe that the first instinct that people have are, I see this on social media, like I see this on TV and these people are so successful and look at their numbers and look at their great marketing and like, oh my God, they have 20 developments. And, you know, at a certain point you have to just think about why you're doing this. And that's what's so great about New York. It's so great about our business. Everyone's in it for different reasons. And if you're in it for publicity, if you're in it for, uh, you know, to be with a name and to, to be associated with certain things, then someone like, you know, a Ryan Serhan or a Frederick Eklund, who I, I respect these people greatly. I'm not speaking badly about them. They're, they, they're amazing, amazing brokers, and they've built huge businesses. Um, but someone like Jackie, who does just as much business as both of these people, by the way, um, you don't necessarily, or like Leonard Steinberg, or people like Louise Forbes, you know, they don't need the Deanna publicity. Corey. They don't, yeah, Deanna Curry, like they don't need no, the recognition. <laughs> You know, so it's it's really all about what you as an agent that, or a broker wants to do. I agree. And I think that's where we got a little, you know, off track because I agree with what Jackie was saying, you know, and, and the, the newer teams that I see, the younger people, and I hate to use the word millennial, <laughs> I think they're in it for the wrong reasons. I think they're in the team set up for all the wrong reasons because as you just, you know, rattled off huge names here in the business – don't need that publicity because they they they've been doing this for years. They've had established business. Their business continues to grow, and they're the better for it. I'm not yes. knocking the 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 newer teams where you know they're out for just the PR. But you know somewhere along the line you have to understand in this business you can only be successful in this business if you really love it, if you Absolutely. really want it, and if you're really passionate about it. If you're worried about all the the ancillary things that go on around you and the cameras and everything else. Get out. But to bring up, sorry, I was going to say to put a positive spin on the whole team thing, um, more positive than I guess what we were just saying, is that from a personal millennial perspective, (laughs) um, I get offers a lot from big teams. And, you know, there is a side of it that is very collaborative and nice. Um, You know, I I will say that I think a lot of younger millennials these days, or even just agents in the business, they, they stay in the business for a year and it can get very lonely. If you're on your own, it can get lonely. It can get tough. You don't have someone to, you know, bounce ideas off of or commiserate with in the bad times. Yeah. And be, sometimes being on teams is just a great way to be psychologically more successful because you're able to collaborate with other people who are in it for the same reason you are. There's also yeah, and more accountability. As, as a Gen Xer who yeah. is not a millennial, but um, in defense of millennials, we do have some on our team as well. And for me, I've always said, as long as it is mutually beneficial. Mm. So it is about, you know, absolutely. Absolutely, Jackie, as you said, it's not just giving out things. It's, you know, you're expecting your team members to bring you some business too, um, but they benefit as well. So until it becomes something that is no longer working on one side or the other, it can be a very collaborative, nice thing. And our team is very much more like, I'm very much in admiration of the way that you run yours like as a corporation. That's giving me some ideas, but we're more like a family. And at one point in time, when there were six of us, um, we only had three residences between the six of us from either <laughs> familial resident, uh, familial relationship, a marital or a roommate situation. So we do run our team more like a family and we support each other. So that is a positive aspect for a team. Absolutely. I, I look at it as like the service to the client then. <clears throat> and I kind of think about just like 24 seven and you can't work 24 seven by yourself. So it's, Good to have vacation. You got to take, you know, you got to take a vacation. You got to take a night off. But, um, you know, I, I just look at it as, you know, I want to be part of a team and I started my own team because I felt like that would be, deliver the best, you know, uh, end result to my clients. 
Um, coverage. Exactly. Yeah. But to the audiences, uh, the, the people that are listening to us, one thing that I, I really urge people when they are doing their research on teams is also to look at sustainability. How long that team has been together? Mm-hmm. Who has been the head of the team? Who is the number two on the team? Yeah, you know, because because you see also a lot of people that are either getting together, like merging, you know, uh, or getting partnerships together and then putting a team together. And then a year later, they are not any longer together. So that's also, so if you think about it, even though that we have more teams in the business than ever before, but if you do like, um, you know, make a list, maybe you will get like 20 or 30 uh, teams in the whole, not only at the, you know, at our company that have been together for the long time and that they are still teams. Correct. So like each other. Exactly. And I, re- I really liked your point about somebody coming into a team interviewing them as much as you're in, as they're interviewing you. Yes. Because it's very true. The leadership really sets the tone for any team. And I think that's the point to. All right. We have to leave that thought there. We are live from Blast Off Productions. This is Good Morning New York. We will be back with Sarah Rada and the uh, recruiting uh, conversation. Jackie Toplitsky is staying with us. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. 
All right, everybody, we are back with Jackie, Sean, Sarah, Matthew, and Tracy. So we want to talk about recruiting for a little bit, you know, whether it's for a team or whether it's for, you know, a company, a brokerage house uh, where, you know, you're just hiring new agents, experienced agents. What really makes the job uh, difficult, what really makes the job pleasant, and what do we really look for? So I'm going to talk to Sarah Rada, who's um, uh, at Halstead. She's the, the, the executive director of sales downtown, uh, and she's worked at Halstead since 2011. She works side-by-side with Richard Grossman, the president of Halstead, where together they are responsible for the continued success and strategic growth of the Village and Soho offices for Halstead. Prior to joining Halstead, she served as Senior Managing Director of Sales for the Gramercy, Flatiron, Chelsea, and West Village offices. I was oh. wearing roller skates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All those offices. Yeah. Oh, my God. For City Habitats for more than eight years, as a result of her hard work and dedication, the offices thrived under her direction, producing over $1.3 billion in sales. Wow. <laughs> you see that? That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. So let me, let, let, let's me let's get into it. So agent recruitment is essential, yet really receives the attention that it deserves. Without recruiting, without a recruiting pipeline, rather, it is very difficult to grow your brokerage or your team. What are the right ways to attract agents, new or experienced? One, uh, once you have them, you need to keep them. Mm-hmm. Keeping great agents engaged takes sophisticated resources that support and empower their efforts. So, Sarah, how you know how do you approach this on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. as an executive director of sales for, for a very large company here in New York? What is it you're actually looking for? It's a really good question. So I think just to take a step back, before I look at anything, I think like any relationship, you have to look at yourself and where you are. So understanding your management style, knowing your core values and your company's core values, you can then be more targeted with who you want to attract. So knowing your half to attract a, 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 an, an appropriate other half, just like relationships, right? Absolutely. So, so really it's what, what do I bring to the table? What do I have to offer? What does my company have to offer to an agent? So for example, when I was at City Habitats, we were more of a rental company, and my focus was attracting sales agents. So for me, I have to understand back then, or I had to understand, I'm not going to be able to get a Jackie Toplitsky because sales, we weren't known for our big producers and sales. We had great top agents, but a Jackie's not coming, most likely, no offense to City Habitats, so we have to focus on who we're attracting, whereas at Halstead, I know what our, our main business is, a lot of it is sales, about 80%, we have a lot of rental agents too, but in that respect, I know who I'm going to attract or look for. So with that, you have to have a plan, just like anything. It's prospecting. It's the manager's version of prospecting, just like agents have to look for new business. So it's really, again, knowing yourself, but then also setting up a system and time blocking your schedule to do your prospecting and and what are ways to to look for agents really the best which is you know you really help us a lot with is broker referrals you know you you are keyed into into the brokerage f- uh, in a different 
um, way than we are, right? Because you're on the field, you're on the street with the agents. So you can refer us great people, which you have. So you have that. I think social media is amazing. I get so many comments on my Instagram. Wow, Halstead looks like such a fun place to work because I promote how great it is there, right? To to people in my sphere and word gets around. Um, but I think also just, you know, online shopping sometimes, noticing people and um co-broking agents with the agents in our offices um, and also teaching, doing things like this, getting your name out there, showcasing what you're about is very important. But from there, it's very important. This is a relationship business. So you might meet somebody and then end up working with them six years later because you've stayed in touch with them in a meaningful way, just like agents need to do the same thing with their clients. So that's how I... How much time of the day does it take to... to do the whole recruiting thing or does it take every day or does it just kind mm-hmm. of pop in and out, you know, when it, when it needs to. Okay. It's example. a, it's a very good question. That's how I used to operate. It would pop in and out. Whereas now I'm in the last few years, I've been a lot more structured where I have meetings with Richard and we go over things um, together, people that we've met with, what the follow-up is going to be. But I also set aside specific times and I have systems so that I'm doing the things that I need to do on a weekly basis. I well, first of all, I love online shopping. I can't wait. I can't wait till Black Friday. Especially I'm like, I'm getting all giddy about it. Um, my list. But <laughs> I'll go do it for you. Um, no, I think you bring up such a good point about just broker referrals. Like, who better to suggest an agent for the company than? the agent themselves because agent to agent relationships are not only so important in this city because almost everything is co-broked but also it's the hardest relationship sometimes like you're you know you're representing two different clients you're not always going to be on the same page so like for example Tracy and I have become very good friends but we became friends from doing our first deal together and it was we had such a great time doing it yeah I mean you know so and, and like at core I really admire the way they do their recruiting just like you because um, I'll help them with it and they'll say to me oh congrats on your closing how do you like working with that agent and 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 they know that I have such a good rep in the business so they know if I didn't like someone it's definitely them it's but like if, but if I did like them so we, it's we a good that. sign we have that at the bottom of our, at our, bottom of our commission thing right when yes. it says did you work with a co-broker yes or no did you like this person yes or no yeah, and something so like oh, would you wow. with them that, yeah that, I, I, I love that, and I feel that in all the time. I heard Vince puts a lot of no's. (laughs) We print out deal sheets on a weekly basis, and so we look through the deal sheets, and we ask the brokers, how how was it working with this person? Is this somebody you see at Halstead and what have you? But I want to uh, add something. I mean, one of the problems that I see in our industry, and this is my plan C in life after brokerage, um, (laughs) yeah, i already working on that, um, is that uh, the attrition rate yes. okay, yeah. that we have yeah. is one of the largest in any of the industries. And I think that, and I want to help fixing that. And I think that one of the problems is that, yes, we are good in hiring. But the question is, are we good in keeping? And the reason that yes. I think that we are not that good in keeping is because of our um, training system. So the coaching system and training system that most of the companies have in place basically focus on the newcomers into the industry. 
So we have, you know, training that is more geared to the new newbies mm. that come in and we want to train them. Right. The problem is that after you become an agent, okay, there is always a plateau. You, if you are very good and you go and then you right. plateaued and you don't know where to go and how to go from there. Uh, so you have two things. First, you need very good managers because the managers have to be not only, you know, the recruiters, but also they have to be the coaches. But the problem is, is that we have too many agents, the ratio between the number of agents to a number of <coughs> managers. And number two, so we have to fix that. And number two, we have to fix also the, uh, the, the coaching. So the coaching has not, and the training um, should be, in my opinion, in three tiers. Tier one is for the newbies. Uh, tier two is for already experienced agents, but not the top. And then you also need uh, tier three. And the tier three is for the top agents. Everybody thinks that we don't need training anymore. Everybody needs oh, training we anymore. Need, we yes, need, you know? absolutely. Everybody has a coach. Every, yeah. every successful absolutely. you know, sport team has that, a coach. That, right. we, we, I have, coach? Unfortunately, Amazing. we are out of time. That is our show for today. Oh, Thanks to my guests and panelists. As always, until next right. time, please be kind to one another for all of us <laughs> at Voice America all around the world. Thanks for joining us, and I will see you next time. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, Thank you. Bye, you Happy holidays. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.